This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series, show in which we look back at the latest Arsenal fixture with the help of some fantastic guests this evening. I hope you're doing good and well. Of course, we're looking back at yesterday's game against Oxford United. I'm joined by three brilliant guests tonight, which I'll be introducing you to shortly. Uh, just very quickly, good evening to everybody joining us in the chat box. Harvey and Rich, we've got Guna Jake, we've got Coon in the chat box as well. Carvia. Uh, no, I didn't. I did put nil nil for some reason. It felt like it was going to be nil nil forever, and I've changed that now. But thank you for the heads up on that, uh, Tom. Good evening to you, uh, to Temmy, who's probably got the most uh, <laughs> stereotypical comment in the January window of "We're not signing anyone, are we?" Well, we'll talk about transfers a little bit later on. Let's introduce to you my guests. Uh, first off, he joined me in the press box last night. It's Harry Simi. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, good, mate. Not too bad. Thanks. Um, multitasking at his finest. Indeed, um, yeah. It was just telling us off there how you're cooking and podding at the same time. It's impressive. Yeah, I, can I can I do this? Look, yeah, sure, go. go for it. There you go, look at that. <laughs> look at that. For the benefit of those listening on audio only, Harry's just panned his camera <laughs> literally to his kitchen stove where he's stirring the dinner. I'm surprised it's not kebabs tonight, mate. You, that's all you seem to cook on your, your Twitter page these days. Yeah, do you know what? I've been struggling to motivate myself at the start of this year to to get back outside. The rain is coming down hard. Um, I got shelter, but it just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel right at the moment, which is, is unusual for me. Maybe I've lost my mm. mojo. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you just need to do a couple and you'll get straight back into it. But, uh, <laughs> warmer weather coming soon, I'm sure to help give you a bit of a boost in that regard. But yes, it was, uh, and I should say, um, we said it off air. You were taking the mic last night about me using a mouse with my laptop in the press. But why, why is this such a problem? Like, why did you pick out on this? <laughs> it's not, it's not a problem. Um, I just, I just find <laughs> I'm it really... going to get sabotaged next time I see you. <laughs> You're going to nick it. I just find it really funny that like when you go to a press box, like it's always a fight for space on the desks. Like, mm. to, like f- when you've got a laptop, it's, it's bad enough. Like I find it a nightmare when, I, when I'm doing radio, I've got the ISDN box mm. and the laptop. And most of the time you only get enough space for one or the other. And you kind of have to choose or put one on your lap or, or get creative and inventive. Uh, and I just found it hilarious that when I looked down 
in front of me, into the row in front of me, there was Tom with his mouse like all stretched out and he had plenty of space. And <laughs> to I be thought... fair, I had a spare seat next to me. It was So it was me, a space, and then Art de Rocher from The Athletic to the right of me. And we had loads of room. Um, so yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, I love a mouse. I'm using it right now. It's, it's right here. So uh, it's uh, it's never done me wrong with this. Although I was looking at new ones the other day to see if I can get like a more... Well, you know, ones that fit like really nicely in your hands. Like those, those types of mouses. So there you go. Has to be wide as well. Why now? Wireless lets you down. I I can't deal with that. Can't deal with it. Anyway, I feel like we've kept our other guests waiting a long time while we chat about food and mouses. Uh, Let's introduce you our next guest uh, making an appearance once again. It's Abby. How you doing, Abby? You good? You well? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Tom. How are you? Very good. Very good. How was your New Year's? Was it nice? Yeah, it was always all right. I was a bit poorly. I had that dreaded, uh, dreaded lurgy that was going around. So, uh, but I, tr- I tried to um, uh, self-medicate. I did with, um, you know, some Prosecco and then some more Prosecco. <laughs> and then a little bit more because obviously that was making me feel better. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I got through it in the end. But um, I've just got back off my olive bobs, actually, today. Um, and, nice. uh, yeah, been away with the, with the wife and uh, enjoyed one of our wedding presents. Yeah. Which was a, a weekend away in the cabin. Well, I didn't mean to say. Thank you. Like, yeah, and to you. Yeah. Yes, of course. Twenty twenty two was full of of podcasting weddings. Um, I see yeah. a lot of people get uh, married on on social media this year. Um, maybe just, a man. Oh, sorry, Harry, go on. Can I just say, as someone who's been married for a little while, you lot don't know what you're letting yourselves in for yet. Enjoy it now. <laughs> Enjoy the honeymoon period. <laughs> maybe it's just your own experience. Maybe ours will be better. <laughs> yeah, uh, my 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 whole uh, life with my missus is one great big honeymoon. And she's watching. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're going to stay in the good books. Daniel's asking, do you use a mouse with your laptop if you're even using one? No, no, it's the uh, 21st century, guys. I, you know, I don't do that. You know, I've, I've moved on from mice. I just, you know. I use touchscreen now, anyway. In favour of the touchpad these days, or rather touchscreen in the case of the iPads and iPhones as well. Um, A man who's not yet married, uh, but maybe one day will be, and good friend of the Arsenal way, it's Chris Davison. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, good evening, Tom. Good evening, Harry, and to you, Abby, as well. Um, Yes, not married at the moment. Um, Not sure that's entirely a road I want to go down after listening to to Harry just then. Um, (laughs) I'm really glad you ended that sentence. The girlfriend's not watching the, and obviously, I know Abby's in a different situation. The girlfriend's not watching, so I'm safe. Um, but no, uh, pleasure to be on here. Finally, Tom, I know you've been trying to get me on for a while. And for whatever reason, there's been other stuff happening. I just haven't found the time and the opportunity to uh, to come on. So uh, no, pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. No, it's good to see your face again, um, Arthur. Of course, uh, for those that are long-time watchers of the, of the Arsenal, where you'll you'll know Chris and from our ten AM shows that we do. But uh, it's it's just me chilling on, on the Arsenal way these days. It's uh, it's an interesting scenario that we've got going there. But it's great to have you uh, back on uh, on a channel as well, Chris. So it's good to hear you, and I'm sure we're going to get plenty of your thoughts as well as the rest of the guys on yesterday's game. This being the Raw Reaction Show, Harry, can I get your Raw Reactions from yesterday's win? Um, glad that we're through, obviously, um, feel like a little bit of a dampener was put on it before we even got to Oxford because of the fact that the next round sees us go to Manchester City, which is not ideal. Um, you know, you, with the FA Cup, we've got this love affair with it, haven't we, as a, as a club and you want to see us go as far as we possibly can. But of course, um, you know, we've got to be realistic and we've got to understand that the squad is not really deep enough to compete on. Uh, enough fronts in order for us to make that as a priority. I keep saying to people when they ask me about the FA Cup, it is it is something that I personally love, but 
obviously it's probably third in Arsenal's priority list at the start of the campaign because ultimately it doesn't give you a route back into the Champions League, which is where we want to go. The Europa League offers that if you win it. The Premier League obviously does if you finish in the top four. So I'm obviously glad that we're through, but I think for me it was more about having a look at some of those players that are on the fringes and are on the peripheries of sides. And I've been thinking a lot about this ever since sort of leaving the game yesterday, driving back, I was uh, with a mate of mine that, that grabbed the lift with me and we were talking about it on the way home. And it was like, I don't really know how to judge some of these players right now because I look at them in a very disjointed and and poor Arsenal side. I mean, you look at look at how Enketi has performed in the Europa League, for example, and in the, the one Carabao Cup game that we played. Compare that to him when he plays in the Premier League with Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard and Xhaka and Partey all in and around him. So what I'm struggling with at the moment is to be able to differentiate when judging these players, what's down to them and what's down to there being a really poor team around them. Because if you look at Fabio Vieira, I'd have said he was quite poor yesterday up until Xhaka and Zinchenko come on. And then it changes because all of a sudden we're breaking lines with our passes. We're, we're getting through the midfield. We're, we're getting ourselves in on their back line and we, we, we then isolate people and that, you know, creates everything. He put in a good delivery for the free kick, obviously, which we don't win if we don't make those changes and get a little bit more progressive in our passing. And then obviously he plays that wonderful free ball for Eddie Nketiah, which is perfect. So watching that unfold, watching him be very average and then all of a sudden spark into life has got me really asking myself now how much of it is down to those players as individuals and their actual talent and how much of it is down to the the general collective uh, and the same, I think, can be said for Lokonga, although I'm a little bit less convinced about him. He's kind of more mm. to the other side of the scale for me. Um, I'm not really willing to give him as much time as I'll give Fabio Vieira because we've had him for a while. But that's my big takeaway from the game. I think we really need to dig deep into these players and try and figure out whether they're good enough in the right environment or if they're just not good enough full stop. And it's really difficult to tell at the moment because when he makes wholesale changes, the drop-off in certain areas especially is huge. Yeah, it is massive. And we saw that last night. It was so obvious. I remember turning around to you just being like, this is awful. <laughs> this yeah. is really bad um, in the first half. And thankfully it got better, but it, it did require the changes for that to happen. Abby, your raw reactions from, from yesterday's progression through to the fourth round? Well, I mean, there was a, there was a lot of changes yesterday. And listen, there is no excuse um, I spent the first 45 minutes defending everybody on that pitch and in reflection. And, uh, the, the, these are experienced and accomplished players and I do believe they should be playing. Uh, they should be stepping up the game. and It should be a hell of a lot better cohesively. Um, and I do believe that uh, Arteta, uh, I, I can't even imagine what he's going to say to them um, in half-time in that match because they did come out, uh, you know, a better side. And albeit, yeah, we had to make a couple of changes. And that, that really uh, frustrates me that we do have to bring on a couple of players from our first team in order to get the goal. Because I, I wasn't seeing where we was going to get anything um, in the match until we actually made those changes. Um, and, you know, it's telling when the missus, you know, is turning around as soon as uh, the game kicks off going, where's Shakya? Where's Zidi? Get them on! Get them on with Udegaard, you know. Um, and I, yeah, I thought we, uh, yeah, I thought we was really poor. I thought Tierney uh, and Tommy Atu actually um, 
I was really surprised at how poor they were uh, because they have a lot more experience in that first team. You know, we we use them um, as subs quite quite a bit, um, and I just it wasn't quite there. It wasn't quite clicking, and I, I thought Lukonga he was I didn't even realise he was playing. Um, and I, I'm a I'm a positive I'm a very positive person, and I don't I I won't slay anybody, but what I will say is I. I didn't realise he was there, unfortunately, until I was watching the highlights before I came on here, actually, in the highlights start with his uh, shot on goal, where it hits the other guy's arm. And I was like, well, that, that, that says a lot about what we brought to the game. Um, however, I'm not going to, uh, you know, let's not sell Oxford too short. Um, I thought they came at us. And I think the All or Nothing documentary, as good as it is, what it does, it puts last year's game... Uh, against Forest out there into the world forever for us always to remember how bad we were this time last year. And maybe there was a bit of nerves, you know, uh, and maybe that was playing on there because there was a lot of players last night played last year mm. in that game and they were worse last year. I remember Lukonga played that game as well and was yeah. pretty poor in that game also. Then, yeah. You know, two things from that, the all or nothing thing, firstly, you know, watching that game back, that's the game that Arteta really lost his head. He completely lost his yeah. head in the dressing room and slamming the kit bag uh, down onto the floor, you know, with a young team of really changed sides. And it was just a performance that we didn't expect to see. You know, there was a lot of, you know, it was the, obviously the game we sort of Tavares hauled off in the first 30 minutes or so from the game. And it was almost like Arteta might have even been tempted to, to do the same thing in this game. I mean, Harry, there was a moment, I don't know if you picked up on it, well, Arteta was really getting agitated on the touchline with, I think, Albert Stuvenberg um, and a couple of the, um, I think Jonas is, uh, not Jonas. Um, yeah, it's, it is Jonas, the uh, the free kick coach. What's his name? Um Jova, Nicholas Yo Jova. Nicholas Jova, sorry, Jonas. Or was that the, the, the previous one? I get confused between No, he is Nicholas Jova. Yeah, he's the, the yeah. free kick guy. Um, he was losing his head with them, like going up to them. He was really getting up close to Albert and they were kind of discussing about what they wanted because they weren't happy with, with what was going on on the field. And, I think that there was maybe some of that Nottingham Forest from last year creeping in the frustration into this game. So, yeah, and the other one being Lukonga, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about him later. But, again, uh, another FA Cup third-round tie against a lower league opposition at the time. Of course, Nottingham Forest were then, where he's just not come up. Um, Chris, lastly, uh, your raw reactions to, to yesterday's win? Yeah, well, obviously, as, as yourself and Harry and, and Abby have already touched on, not good enough in the first 45. No one near our... Our best. Um, I thought we were slow, sloppy, um, not creating uh, enough going forwards. Um, I think for the most part, we, we looked uh, sort of assured at the back. Um, obviously, Oxford came forward a few times and, and tried to create something, but I thought we dealt with it quite well. Actually, a name we haven't mentioned, um, albeit I know he didn't have too much to do, but I thought Matt Turner looks looks much more comfortable now. Um, mm. Obviously, we, we know he struggled in pre-season and sort of had a few shaky moments in the Europa League um, earlier on in the season. But I think, you know, the work he's done on the training ground and obviously the, the work he's doing with the goalkeeper coaches at the club, it's obviously going a long way. And, and um, yeah, he's looking much more comfortable now. So that was, that was quite nice to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the rest of the, the performance in that first half, like I say, not good enough. Um, uh, you know, again, Sakura thought struggled at times. Um, and, you know, we're talking obviously one, about one of our best players, if not our best player at the moment. So, um, yeah, it, it surprised me, to be honest. It surprised me because we're on obviously such a high at the moment, doing so well in the league, absolutely flying. 
Um, and you know, look, we, we, we all do respect to Oxford with the players that we have and the quality that we have, the quality that Arteta started as well. Um, we should have been absolutely flying right from the very off last night, and we didn't. But I suppose at the end of the day, all that matters is that we did turn things around. Uh, you know, the players did eventually respond, um, and we we won comfortably. Um, so. Yeah, happy with the outcome, happy with the, the second half performance. And as we've already touched on, I think the, the changes played a, a huge part in that. Um, and yeah, just obviously happy that there wasn't an upset like last year and we, we, we've we proceeded to the to the next round. Um, but yeah, in terms of Sammy Lakonga, I'm concerned. I'm really concerned for him um, and his future at Arsenal because... We've seen a lot of him now. Uh, as Harry touched on, he's been here longer than some of the other lads in this team, and um, I haven't seen um, I haven't seen anything really that gives me hope for him. You know, to to play a crucial role in, in Arsenal's future moving forward. I, look, he's still young, and I get that. You know, there's there's still plenty of room for improvement for him to to learn. And you think if anything, if anyone's going to get the best out of him, it will be uh, a manager like Mikel Arteta, but. You'd think that by now he's beginning to click. He's he's learned a lot already. He's developed as a footballer, um, and I just I'm struggling to see where that improvement is or or has come uh, so far. And look, I appreciate the fact he's not a regular regular in the team. He's he obviously a rotational option for Arteta, um, and sometimes that can hold your development back. I, I understand that. But um, we're talking about a, a young talent who we paid, I think, around £20 million for. And so far, I've not seen enough from him. And uh, yeah, I think last night, if you're struggling against a League One opposition, that's concerning for me. Yeah, look, I, you know, I, Harry, I think I'll give you the final word on Lokonga because Xavi and, and Chris have both had their thoughts and then we can round that kind of that topic off. He... You know, he's coming to a team where he was always thought to be very much a prospect, whether or not he was seen as the Thomas Partey long-term replacement or the Xhaka long-term replacement was never really specified. You know, he's kind of played both roles and seemingly operated better, I suppose, when he's actually given someone like Partey behind him to give him that freedom. But in these games, and, you know, I've had a couple of chats with people that maybe think I'm too harsh on him. And the, the kind of argument that I go back to is, can anybody name me kind of some real standout performances from him, say, in the last year? And I think back to the Villa game from this season that we won 2-1. I thought he was good in that game. But beyond that, I'm struggling, you know, to come up with uh, off the top of my head. Maybe it's just bad memory, but off the top of my head, I, I genuinely can't. You know, I thought he was OK against United, but he made a couple of really big mistakes, obviously, that, that cost us. So... Where's your head at with with Lukonga? and is is this the end kind of his of his story somewhat, or going towards the end, or do you think maybe there is a, a loan option that might reopen the door for him later down the line, or give Arsenal more money in the future? Yeah, I think look when we signed him, a lot of people raised eyebrows because they were saying, you know, this is quite a bit of money for someone who you know we we're looking at as a bit of a future prospect, someone that isn't going to come into the team straight away, and he did come into the team. A lot sooner. Mikel Arteta has alluded to that on, on numerous occasions. He came into the team a lot sooner than we'd have liked because we had injury problems. Um, at the beginning, he looked really confident. He looked like he was brave in possession. He looked like he always wanted to break lines with his passing. He looked like he was happy to pick up the ball and carry it forward. And I can't remember if you were there with me, Tom, but there was a post-match press conference recently 
maybe after the Bodo Glimt gate. Well, no, it wasn't Bodo Glimt. So where we were sitting at the front on the right yeah. hand side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I said, I asked Mikel yes. Arteta a question. No, it was Bodo Glimt. It was definitely. Was it? Bodo oh, Glimt? it was Zurich. No. I think it was Zurich. Zurich. The last it was one. Zurich. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. Zurich. So I asked Mikel Arteta a question. I said to him, you know, what what did you make of Lokonga playing in that slightly more advanced midfield role? Because mm. we'd always thought of him as the Thomas Partey you know, prototype, if you like. And Mikel Arteta said, look, when he came to the club, that was what we thought he was. But we've seen over time that, you know, his, his, he might be better suited to playing in a slightly more advanced role. So mm-hmm. I think what that does is it, it doesn't give you the, the sort of excuse to give him more time, but it kind of wipes the slate clean a little bit in that what happened in the past happened in the past. The club have realised he's not that player and are now looking at him playing in a different role. The problem I think we've got is that he's not any of those players. He's not a, a six and he's not an eight. He mm. is your old school 4-4-2 central midfielder. Bit of attacking, bit of defending. Wants to be in the middle of the park. Isn't a specialist in any one of those two areas. Now, people would say, well, that makes him a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. But I just think in this system, it probably isn't going to work. Because I don't think he has the attacking prowess to get forward into those half spaces in the way Odegaard or Xhaka does. And I don't think he's as solid defensively as a Partey or can progress the ball like Partey can. I don't think he's an Elneny either where he's just defensive. So I think his identity has been lost a little bit in this system. And I think that's a big problem for him. If I were Sambi Lakonga, I'd want to leave. And I have heard that Sambi Lakonga has asked to leave. Um, I don't know if it's true. Um, really? I have, I, that's I strange have. because I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that what you've heard is wrong. I, I had chased up a line today and I heard from mm. someone that he's like, he still kind of wants to make it, but that alone is something he's interested in. Yeah. It could be on a loan. It could be, yeah. you know, but that he wants to get out of this situation Yeah, and he wants to go and, and play football. And I genuinely do believe that this is a really talented guy. I genuinely do believe that he's got a lot to offer, but he needs to play football. And right now, coming in and out of the side, and especially when you're coming into a very bang average side, you know, you if he's got Thomas Partey behind him, there's no guarantee he performs, but I'm sure he'd play at a higher level than with Mohamed Elneny behind him. That's just the truth of it. So I think he needs to go somewhere where he fits into the system a bit better. It's very important that the right loan deal is selected and not one of those where, you know, after three months, you're looking at it and going, what was the point in this? It's got to be the right club but he needs to go and play football because I honestly believe that 70% of his problem right now is confidence and, and nothing else. Confidence, a bit of not fitting into the current system. That's what I think the issue is with Sambi Lokonga. And if you invest what we invested in him, I know people will say this day and age is not a lot of money. I would give him another chance. I, I wouldn't throw the towel in on him just yet because he doesn't seem to have the attitude problems, for example, that Gwendouzi had or any of that nonsense to to almost accelerate the process of kicking him out the door. I think you kind of need to give him a little bit longer. And and I think the loan solution is the best solution. The problem is that Arsenal don't have the depth at this moment in time to facilitate that. Because if you let him go and we pick up a couple of injuries, you're going to end up having what happened last year. Remember when Maitland-Niles went and everybody was up in arms about it. Ainsley Maitland-Niles has gone on to achieve nothing. I was I covered his game at the weekend for Southampton. He started the game in midfield where he wants to play and he was awful. He gave absolutely nothing to the team. So, you know, we we had to let him go. We had to move him on, whatever. The only reason that was an issue was because of the lack of depth that we have. And I fear now that Lokonga will be held back from actually going out and doing what he needs to because we have a lack of depth, which isn't really his problem. 
Abby, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I can see him actually fitting quite well with the company and Burnley. I think it'll be a really nice uh, fit. He, he's, he's obviously known to company um, and we all know what uh, Burnley is like. I, I, I don't want to be cliche or anything, but that whole kind of toughening somebody up. I know they're not that team anymore. But I mean, I've been watching Burnley. I've quite, I've quite enjoyed watching them um, and what they're it's doing. They've got a really nice balance. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's really quite. Well, I accidentally started watching them when they played Blackburn, and mm. uh, I know it's a bit of a derby for them. But um, but what what they were doing and how it's got them playing with that Burnley ethos, I suppose, behind the, behind them. Um, yeah, I think that would be a really it'd be nice to see them there for a loan. And then see what happens when he comes back. Because I think I agree with you, Harry. I think there's a player in there. But what kind of player? Uh, even I, I, I don't know. I think in the summer, alone is win-win for Arsenal. Because either, you know, he goes away, he, he does okay, you know, or he does well, comes back and can maybe claim a spot. Or we've protected his value by giving him regular minutes so that we can move him on for either what we paid for him or slightly more, fingers crossed. Alternatively, you know, we get our answer, you know, because if he does go on loan, like say Tavares has this season, Tavares done pretty well, you know, at Marseille. I don't think he necessarily fits into the team of what we want to do because he's playing a very different wing back style role, really, with Marseille. But we get an answer with Tavares and an answer that probably comes with a boosted price tag as well next summer, which is important. Harry. This is this is what happens like with transfers though sometimes right sometimes they just don't work and what you need to do is protect as you mentioned the value of that transfer so Nuno Tavares what do we pay for him seven eight million pounds yeah. if we got that back there's no harm done if we got ten million we've made a profit if we got twelve million we've made a profit like the the point here is that we're not then going into that negotiation from a really bad position Sambi Lakonga even if you only got ten million for him it's still half of the initial investment that you made. So this is what Arsenal need to get better at. And what they've done in the past is allowed players to almost rot on the sidelines and, and become these very undesirable footballers that nobody wants to pay anything for. And then you can't shift them. So before Lakonga gets to that point, and I fear that that point is very close, you have to make that move one way or the other. You either cut your losses and you let him go, or you loan him out to protect that value with a view to sort of recuperating as much of it as you can later down the line. That's what the club have been so bad at for years, and they need to improve on that. Chris, did you want to have the final say on this topic? Yeah, no, I was just going to add, you know, I'm in agreement with with Harry and, and, and what Abby was saying as, as well. I, I think there's a player in there. I think he's a talent. You know, I think when he was at Anderlecht, a uh, company actually spoke to Arteta or was supposed to have spoken to Arteta about just how highly rated he is and, and how talented he is, the potential that is is on offer. And as Harry also touched on, you know, when you're talking about the, the fee that we, we, we paid for him, it, it says a lot about the the player and the potential um to 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 come out so uh, i agree i think if we can sort out a loan for him uh this month ideally or or, or in the in, in the summer um then then that would be the, the the next best thing for him um i agree uh, you know the, the depth is is not great at the moment and, and we need to improve that that side of it as well uh, in, in central midfield to um, sort of cope better w without him if we were to loan him out, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I think that's got to be considered uh, moving forward, a loan move. 
um, or, or something that, you know, will make Lokonga happy, that will bring the best out of him and, and that will obviously um, continue his development because with the role he's had or has at Arsenal at the moment, it is holding him back and we're not seeing the best from him uh, at all. We'll move down to... Uh, oh, oh, I lost my voice there for a second. I had a frog in my throat, Chris. A, cl- a Chris classic from the Arsenal way. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll move on to the quickfire round about some individual players to get some quick words on individual performances. Harry, I want to start with you and Eddie and Ketia. That was his seventh goal in 11 starts now for Arsenal, which is nothing short than a very good return. Um and when he starts games, he and gets into these positions. He, he you know, he's clinical. The, the way in which he took around the goalkeeper. Yes, we can say it's a, a League One goalkeeper. Sure, maybe a better goalkeeper makes better decisions. Whatever. He he routed the keeper brilliantly. And he finished composed. You know, with the, the little chip over the keeper as well for his second. If you get him into those positions, you know, most I think most people would back him to to score. The issue has been obviously in some games is getting him into those positions. So. Where is your head at with Eddie and and where are you at with considering we've got a North London derby next, then a game against United and then an FA Cup tie against Man City? How is that going to flow for him? I've been really happy with Eddie so far. Um, I don't think you could have expected much more from him. Like Based on the level of player that we know he is and, and the boots that he was filling, I don't think you could have asked or expected anything more from Eddie Nketiah. He's delivered goals, which we knew he would. I had countless debates with people who said that, you know, Arsenal's season was over because Gabriel Jesus was injured. And my comeback to that name, was always... Name him, Harry. We know who you're talking about. Yeah, we, we should. We should, shouldn't we? Um, <laughs> but I've, I've had countless debates with people about that. And I've always said to people that actually, as a goal scorer, as a finisher, Eddie Nketiah is as accomplished, if not more accomplished, than Gabriel Jesus. I would back Eddie Nketiah in a situation inside the penalty area to find the back of the net more than I would back Gabriel Jesus. The problem is, is that he doesn't give you the same level of build-up play. Mm. As a, as hard as he works, he doesn't press as intelligently, in my opinion. He doesn't pop up into pockets of space as intelligently as Jesus does. And the other thing that Jesus is far and away better at is dribbling and carrying the ball and carrying the ball into areas in and around the penalty area that absorb defenders in and then being able to pop it off left and right to create space for Saka and Martinelli. Are these coachable, though? Can he, can he learn yeah. that? Or is it yeah. just natural ability? Like, Jesus is just naturally better. And we always say this is what Nketiah needs to do. But is it things that he can be coached to improve? I think it's a bit of both. I think you can improve on it. And I think he has improved in some of those areas. If you look at it, the way he's been playing, even going back to those friendlies we played in Dubai during the World Cup, you could see that positionally he was playing the game differently. So obviously they've spent time trying to to fine-tune that in order to cause as least disruption as possible to the team without Gabriel Jesus. But the dribbling thing, I think that's natural ability that Jesus has. That ability to not even think, to just have quick feet, to just do it all on instinct and to suck people in, I think is incredible. So we haven't lost out on goals. You know, Eddie Nketiah scores more goals than Gabriel Jesus in terms of minutes mm-hmm. played and all of that. But we've missed out on the build-up play. And what I've noticed, and I don't know if you agree, is that Saka and Martinelli get nowhere near as much joy now as they did when Jesus was in the team in certain games. They just feel on the peripheries a little bit and like they need to be a little bit more individual now than they were in the team when Jesus was playing, where it's more of a collective and it flows a bit better. So I think it's had a knock-on effect on the rest of the team and the build-up play, but that's because he's a different player and I can't hold that against him. You know, so I have to look at what he's doing, the things that he's doing on the pitch 
And I think he's ticking a lot of the boxes, not all of them, but as many as we can expect him to. And he's scoring goals. And the finishes last night were both excellent. Absolutely. Um, a player who maybe had a polarising performance, Abby, was Fabio Vieira. Uh, he started kind of the first half frustratingly quiet. I remember he gave the ball away within the first kind of five minutes and, you know, nearly yeah. set Oxford off on a break. Uh, and then in the second half, he pops up with a brilliant free kick for El Elneny's goal. And then, again, another excellent pass um, to lead to Eddie Nketiah's first goal in the game as well. The two assists, I think, probably do mask somewhat of a of an underwhelming display and probably a bit of a missed opportunity in terms of an overall performance. But I also think that there is something to be said when Harry was talking earlier about when you change seven players in a team and you're playing with worse players around you than he was, say, when he had that really good game against Brentford with the starting lineup. There is something maybe to be said that when Xhaka came on and when Zinchenko came on, all of a sudden Vieira looked a lot more threatening and a lot more, you know, just better in general. Yeah. I think Vieira is one of those players that really suffers from um, the, the the lack of first teamers, uh, and when I say the lack of them, I, I mean seven first teamers. Mm. You know, um, because of the space that everybody else can create for him, he is obviously we all we we all know we all say yeah he needs to hit the gym, he needs to be this, he needs to be that. There, there, there are plenty of players in this league in in all leagues who are slight um, and who are um, who come across. The, little bit more convincing than what he can when he's on the ball okay um yeah he gets chopped down he 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 it's, it's coming across that he hasn't got the strength i don't think it is that to be perfectly honest i think it's a space issue um we saw it saw it against brentford um i thought he was he was phenomenal and, and we've seen glimpses of these performances where when he's got the space and he's he can move on the ball and he's got time to receive it those passes are they're, they're magical you know they're um up there with with the rest of them, with Udegaard, with Urza and all of that. Um, I, I don't think uh, Tierney and Tommy Asu really did us any favours yesterday with that idea of giving him space. And I, like I say, I mean, with Lekonga, uh, it's. I think it was just, um, it was because of everybody else. I think mm. you, if you, when you swap Zinni out, when you swap um, Tierney out with Zinni, um, and you've got Xhaka in there as well. You've got a, a, a great section of that pitch then that has up their level, that um, are working to Vieira's um, strengths uh, and benefiting his play. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think he, he was able to um, get those passes in that created mm. the goals for that. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player, and I trust in Arteta. I mean, Arteta... <laughs> he speaks really, really highly of him. Yes, uh, yeah. Out of a lot of other people that he can speak highly of, he's you know he's got his money uh, put on Vieira to do some fabulous things. He might have to because he did invest thirty four million pounds. <laughs> you know, I think there is maybe an element of no, he's willing it to, to work. <laughs> A lot of money. The club, yeah. as I say, backed him in the summer. He came out of absolutely nowhere. He was on no one's lists, no one's radars. You know, yeah. no one was sitting there making tactical breakdowns of this guy and thinking Arsenal should go and sign him. He wasn't on any sensible transfers on Tifo's YouTube channel. You know, this he came out of nowhere. He clearly was someone that the, the data had shown to be a good option for, for Arsenal. 
And I do think that <clears throat> that injury that he had in preseason in particular was a real dampener for the start of his campaign and really didn't interrupt yeah. his flow into the season. And in mid-season, I was really impressed with him. You know, I thought he was great against Lyon. You know, I thought it was a slightly quieter game against Milan. Um, but I, I liked what I was seeing from Vieira in those games. And I thought that, yeah, there is maybe some element of trying too hard from him at times because he wants to make it work. But actually, what you said about the vision, you know, he has that pass. He has that Ozil Odegaard-style pass where they can just see something that no one else can see. You know, and he can execute it uh, a lot as well. The free kick yesterday, you know, there was brilliant execution of exactly what he wanted from that. And again, with his assist for Nketiah. They did overshadow probably what was overall not his best performance and he needs to give more. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, when Zinchenko, Xhaka came on, he was so much. He actually played a lot more like Erdegaard did spatially when Xhaka was on the field. It definitely enabled him to do that. And I think that you're right to bring up Tomiyasu and Tierney in that because I thought... We just become so much more congested and, and condensed in the way we were playing with those. Saka and Martinelli were coming so deep to receive the ball where usually they'd be playing off the last defender and playing in behind or playing the little triangles. They, they couldn't do that with those two there because White's so progressive, Zinchenko's so progressive. Even Saliba, you know, Saliba's so progressive and perhaps we missed him and Pato speaks for himself. Mm. So, yeah, well summed up. Um, yeah. Lastly, uh, Chris, in a particular player I want to talk about before we finish the show on transfers, uh, we saw the return of Emil Smith-Rowe, who was, you know, I, I really liked what I saw when he came on the field. He looked, he looked, I, I saw someone say to me in my comment section this morning, he looked taller. And I and I kind of got that feeling. He looks taller. That's impossible. Well, maybe micromillimeters, but he looked ready. He looked like, you know, he was really buoyed by the excitement of coming back. He spoke to the journalist in the mix zone after the game and, and clearly was buzzing to be back involved um, in things as well. How big of a plus is he going to be? And what are you kind of expecting from him in these next six months? I mean, his return is huge and it, it couldn't come really at a more important time for the, the team, really, could it? You think about the games we've got coming up, um, the injuries we have to, to Jesus and, and to Reese Nelson as well. Um, an ongoing topic, uh, as as you all know, uh, this month is is attacking reinforcements and bolstering the uh, the options for Arteta going forward. But... Um, you know, the, the return of Emil Smith-Rowe will certainly ease those concerns to a certain extent. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure uh, about him looking taller, but I, I guess maybe just uh, looking a bit stronger. Um, obviously, would have been doing a lot of fitness work over the last couple of months um, in the gym. And I'm sure, you know, he's... He, well, I mean, you could see it in, in sort, of, sort of some of the stages last night after he came on. He looked raring to go, looked eager to, to sort of hit the ground run and prove a point. Maybe uh, a little bit rusty, but again, that's normal. You've just been out three months. Uh, you've undergone surgery. It's been a long process back. Um, and, uh, you know, that that could, that can be expected. So, um, yeah, really happy, relieved that he's back. He can be a really, really important player for us. We know the qualities that he offers going forward um, and the, the sort of versatility uh, he, he can bring as well. I think we, we do see the best of him when he is on the left-hand side. Um, but again, you know, Arteta can can rotate him. I think Arteta's even mentioned a few times about playing him as a centre forward. I mean, that just goes to to show the the, the qualities that he does possess in in, in front of goal. And um, obviously, Harry was talking about Nketiah earlier. Some of the things that he brings and the, the differences between him and Jesus. But then you've got another um, different option in in Smethrow who offers lots of different qualities. Um, so yeah. 
like I say, happy that he's back. Looking forward to seeing him in action a bit more over the coming weeks. And um, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me, apart from his return and, and seeing him back on the pitch, is just how crucial um, it will be in, in terms of just offering Arteta that extra option up front now. Um, because we all know what the fixture schedule's like. We all know that the, the, the games that we've got coming up as well are absolutely crucial for us in the league. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I'm sure he'll play a really, really important part for us. Yeah, uh, we are going to need him. You know, the Europa League gets back underway in March. I think that's probably going to be on a bit of the back burner for Arteta, with it, depending on where we are and if we're still leading the race in the title at that stage or we're still in touching distance at that stage. Players like Smith Rowe being able to give Martinelli, you know, potentially giving Saka rests if we need to is going to be important. So he is going to have a place in this squad, even with the potential signing of Mudrick, who of course plays on that left-hand side. And we've got Martinelli and then potentially Mudrick coming in as well. I think Smith Rowe could offer something in that left eight position. Um, and, I, you know, the more research and, and looking into how Smith Rowe played when he was on the wide left area and the new spaces that Xhaka is occupying, they're very similar. So in theory, he really think could offer us something if he wants to go a little bit more offensive with a change uh, in the second half of one of the games if we're chasing a result or we need another goal I think he could be really important for that uh, let's end the show with our favorite topic in the world transfers of course um, there's two things that I want to cover and I'm conscious of the time so we're going to try and condense this down we're going to kick off with the Joao Felix situation uh, Harry of course he was linked to us quite significantly Arsenal were interested they clearly did want the guy on, on their own terms of course uh, and Chelsea have really come out of, I say come out of nowhere, you can never really trust them not to, to come into come some kind of transfer fiasco these days with the way they're run right now. But are you worried or frustrated or um, gutted that we missed out on him? I think frustrated is probably the right word. Chelsea are like that school kid that copies your homework and then takes all the credit for it. That's literally what they are at the moment. They They don't have a clue what they're doing in the transfer market. They just look at who other people are looking at, and then they try and gazump them financially. And then they, they end up sitting mid-table where they're sitting at the moment. They're really struggling and they're getting it all horribly wrong, which is nice to see, obviously. But um, I, I really wanted Joao Felix. I listened to your breakdown yesterday on my way home from the game mm. um, with Alvaro Romeo. Um, and I agreed with a lot of the things he was saying about the fact that Joao Felix was not necessarily going to be the guy that came in and, you know, completely transformed the front line in a short period of time. But my thinking behind the loan deal was always kind of, can we make this a Martin Odegaard 2.0 situation? Yeah. Can we bring this guy in, embed him in, see what he's got, and if we like it, make it a permanent deal? Because he's very similar to Odegaard in that there was a lot of expectation on him early on in his career, and the environment around him is largely why he hasn't reached the heights that he's capable of. There's no question about the talent. So I kind of hope that that was going to be the case. Um, the, the thing I'm struggling to get my head around is why are people very quick to say that Zhao Felix can't come in and have an impact, but sit there and say that actually spending 80 plus million pounds on Mikhailo Mudrik, who's even less proven, who plays in a much worse league and has never played, you know, in a, a particularly strong side by European standards. Why are people so sure that he is the answer? but that Joao Felix isn't. Now, I'm not saying that Mudrik is a bad player and I'd like us to sign Mudrik, right? Mm. But I do have concerns about the price and I'm just struggling as to why the narrative around Joao Felix and Mikhailo Mudrik is so different when one is clearly way more proven than the other. So I, I, 
Some people say they don't want Felix. It wasn't the right fit. And I understand that. And that's a fair opinion to have. But to totally dismiss his impact or the impact that he could have, but at the same time, build up the impact that an unproven kid that's played only in Ukraine is going to come and have is is weird to me. I just can't get my head around it. Chris Arabi, do you have an answer to Harry? I do, but I'm curious as to whether either of you have one as well. I mean, I'm sure Avery probably has one as well. I mean, but just to just to to add to what Harry's saying, and I, 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 you've probably seen the the some of the tweets I've been putting up over the last few days, and I, I watched uh, Felix and yeah, action against Felix Barcelona. One, those ones, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. Um, I was actually, you know, you would have been able to to take from them that I was in favour of us making a move for for Felix, and I, you know, as Harry said, part of me believed and was excited by the the possibility of us bringing him in, and then sort of turning his career around for the for the better, uh, you know, like we saw with Martin Odegaard. Um, giving him some confidence, giving him some freedom, being part of a young and exciting team that likes to attack, that likes to score goals, create opportunities. Um, I, I really do believe under Mikel Arteta's management and, and guidance, Jal Felix would have been a, a really, really solid addition for us. Um, so there's, there's that part. And then the other part is looking at that, the, the, the numbers included in this loan that Chelsea are, are, are getting. Um, I think it's a £9 million low fee, if I'm correct. Uh, no option or obligation to, to make it permanent no. in the future. Um, and uh, they're covering his full wage packet, package as well, which I assume is, is probably quite sizable. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no way Arsenal would have would have gone anywhere near that. Um, so I, I understand why we haven't. I completely understand it. Um, but yeah, part of me does feel as, as if it is a bit of a shame. And I, I'm in total agreement with Harry when he says you know, he doesn't understand the, some people were totally against Felix, but are all for Madrid. I, I get it, you know, and, and all of the points that Harry made. Um, about Madrid's experience and 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 um, and sort of the the leagues that he's been playing in, the team he's been part of, they're, they're all valid, and um, yeah, don't quite add up to to the people, um, you know, saying saying yes to Felix, um, or saying no to Felix, sorry, and, and saying yes to Madrid. Um, I, I, I guess uh, obviously they they are two different players, two very different style of play, um, players. We we know that. Um, Mudrick looks quite a strong player, um, quite physical. I mean, explosive pace um, from obviously the, the times I've watched him in the Champions League and mm. the clips I've seen of him. Um, very, very, very quick. Um, and potentially, you know, if he was to, to, to join, could be one of the quickest players in the Premier League. Um, so he has got that ability to beat, to beat the players um, and to cause lots of problems for the opposition um whereas felix i think you know obviously again quite pacey maybe not as strong um and uh you know he can sort of play as a, a center forward as well so two different players and in that aspect um but uh yeah i, I agree with harry it's um it's strange you know the the sort of favoritism, if you like, for for Madrid, and you talk about the eighty million pound price tag potentially. You know, obviously Arsenal are trying to get that down, get the best deal possible. 
But uh, when we're talking about figures like that, it does bring some rather unfortunate flashbacks to that Nicola Pepe deal and the subsequent um, sort of uh, story which has followed. So um, it, uh, I'm desperate for us not to, to be in a position like that again. Um, uh, and obviously desperate if Madrid was to come in to, to hit the ground running. That's what you need ultimately. When you pay that sort of money for a player, you need, you need to see him perform right from the very off. And uh, I, I'm, I'm quietly confident, based on what we've seen of Mudrick, the type of player that he is, that we will get that. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. And Abby, your thoughts on this Joao Felix Mudrick fiasco? Yeah, it's the uh, nightclub syndrome, isn't it? When you go to a nightclub, when we was younger, obviously, uh, and uh, single. I was judging. Stuff, when you we go still a... go. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we we go to a nightclub and we uh, you 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 go go out grafting, wouldn't you? And you'd graft a few people, but you put more effort into some people. But you're guaranteed the person that you put more effort into isn't the person that actually really, really wanted you. Okay, but you did a little bit of grafting on all all sections. I mean, they all they all would have worked out in the end. However, the one that you put the most work in has gone over to Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, listen. Um, I think Mudrick wants us more, uh, and I think as uh, diehard Arsenal fans, after being burnt by. Um, so many other teams stealing people from us and like uh, people coming to our club and not really like playing for the badge. Um, you know, we're we're seeing this 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 Mudrick guy, this Mudrick fella, and he's he's our he's our new new guy, our new fresh shiny thing that is going to you know change our life. And he, who will with that haircut? That guy is going to rock our world. I love a nineties boy band haircut, and that he's he's in. I'm I'm all for him. However, I would have taken Felix as well. I'm not fussy, to be perfectly honest. Um, either way, the raw, you know, both of them are fantastic on FIFA Tom. So you know they're fine. Oh, yeah, that really <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm I, I'm joking. Listen, I actually think Felix. Would, I, I think he's I think he screwed himself um, because I think he would have fitted our system. A hell of a lot better than Chelsea, and I don't know. I'm not going to judge somebody. I don't know if it's dollars or whether it's playing time or or, or what it is. But yeah, I think he's gone and made another poor choice. He made a poor choice picking um, that club in the first place, mm. you know, before Chelsea. And uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say it wrong. That's why I'm not saying the name. Well, really. Atletico Madrid. It's that's it. That's it. Saying Atletico Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's. I think he's done it again. Bless him. I feel sorry for him. But you know, they'll they they won't buy it in six months' time because he'll be a flop, and he can come to us and it'll be fantastic, and we'll get him for cheaper. <laughs> Thanks, Chelsea. Oh, it'd be quite a reach based upon if they, he's just on, a, I think, an extension as well to 2027. Um, I, I, I wrote about it today. I think Chelsea have been completely swindled by this. I think they're being used beyond all measure. Um, Simeone's going to move on. They've got Joao yeah. Felix now playing regularly in a team where you know, he might get more minutes in a system that might suit the next manager that comes in at Atleti and it fits him better. I think they're paying a ridiculous amount of money. So kind of my response to, to the, the original question, Harry, is that I think one of the main reasons is because Mudrick is a more immediate fit for Arsenal in terms of what he does on that left-hand side. Um, so people kind of, when you look at the comparison between two, I think when you look at the style of Mudrick and ignore kind of his proven or not proven elements for now, but just purely on the style, I think he fits into what Arsenal want on that left-hand side, which is just speed, um, the quick turn of pace, a ferocious shot as well, confidence, 
good energy, you know, and for, especially for this season when we're probably going to be starting Martinelli most games, he's going to be able to come on at the end of games, a real kill, be a bit of a killer for us, basically, and finish off games for us. I think with Joao Felix, the perception is a bit, in one sense, because he kind of had this huge rise at Benfica, signed for a huge amount of money, and it's not kind of work at, worked out. It's, it's a, there are some similarities to the Pepe situation, I think, in terms of not suiting the system of the club that he's gone to, and that's obviously in his stock fall. But there is... With Joao Felix, this idea of spending, you know, upwards of it's 11 million euros, I think, and then however many wages it is per week, was going to add up to something close to 16, 17 million euros probably for six months with no kind of future associated with it. And I think that the Chelsea deal has kind of changed the mindset for people around how they viewed it. Because I think before that, they would have viewed it like you did, as in the Odegaard way of looking at it and going, if there's a future for him at Arsenal, it might be worth investing in the short term. Even if it means he doesn't adapt immediately, we might see a future beyond that. And I think that Arsenal would have been open to just doing a dry loan because they've seen the success of Odegaard and being able to get him in. But it had to be on their financial terms and not these crazy ones that Atleti have put forward to, to, uh, to Chelsea. Mudrick as well. Being from another league that not many people watch makes him more of an unknown quantity. So just psychologically, people think that there's more scope because they know more about Joao Felix. They know what they're going to get from him. And in some, in some cases, that might not be that he's not going to give you enough. But with Felix, uh, with uh, Mudrick, sorry, because he's more unknown, there's more excitement around what he could bring without necessarily being the substance there to back it up immediately. So I think psychologically, that might be why. Feel free to to jump in response. Yeah, I, I get all of that, and and you make some really valid points. I just, again, it's not that I I want to discredit Mudrik. It's that I just don't understand how someone who doesn't watch him, which most people that are commenting on him are coming from that position, I don't understand how you can be so excited about something you have no idea about. It's mm. blind optimism, and we had that as well with Nicolas Pepe, and he was playing in a league that was much better you would argue that was much closer to home that we knew a lot more about I'm not saying that Mudrik will be a flop I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination Mm -hmm. I like the player based on what I've seen he would be a good fit but obviously what I've seen is limited and so I can't sit here with chest and say he's absolutely worth breaking the bank for he's absolutely worth going and meeting Shakhtar Donetsk's demands like I can't say that with any confidence at this moment because I'm being honest about it and I know that a lot of people do their research and I know you've had some great people on the show that have given you that insight and obviously that plays into your opinion as well. Mm. But it's the people that are looking at it from a place of zero knowledge of the player but are really sort of pushing for this deal but were also very quick to rubbish the idea of another one. That's that's where I'm struggling a little bit. But And also the thing is as well, like, you know, we've got a really difficult run of games coming up and the whole idea of the January window was of course it's to build for beyond mm. but the reason people felt that urgency was because we needed to do the deal in order to help us through a difficult period and it feels like with this because it's dragging on and because we're not at a point where we've reached an agreement if it does happen it's going to happen in the last week of the window and you're going to get to that point and then he's going to come in and Emil Smith rose back as well and, and, you know, we'll play in the same position, ideally. That's where Emil Smith-Rowe was best last season, playing off the left. So now you've added a bit of depth in an area that you probably needed to add in in the long term. But have you spent the whole window focusing on that, ignoring other areas? And is that now going to bite you in the ass? That's my worry, that we're 
so obsessed with this Mudrik deal that we're we're not active in trying to do other things that I think we need to do. Mm. I yeah, I think I, uh, I I think we have um, a situation where we potentially there is this uh, one of the best players that we're we're going to see moving forward um, for a very very long time and. Um, I, I'm seeing an element of that kind of Manchester United, potentially not, not necessarily Man City, although they happen to get the best players. Uh, but it was never a case of Roger is going to be the best CDM, you'll see, and he's going to come to Man City, and that's why we're going to get him. But we have a little bit of that. And I'm kind of hoping that what Arsenal have seen of him is um, maybe the uh, how adaptable he can be. I know he plays off the left, and he is fantastic playing off the left. Um, but, you, you know, we who'd have thought all of these other players like Smith Rowe for instance would have been so exceptional playing off the left um, until Arteta came in I mean I don't know about anybody else but I thought he was always uh, uh, you know a number 10 going to go through the middle be that creative central player Um, and he hasn't been you know he's coming off of the left now so uh, potentially, I think Arsenal are seeing some something else in him, and um, that's why we're going for him. And yeah, let's go, shiny new toy, shiny new toy syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> yes, the new toy syndrome. The, well, the other one broke that, though. Yes, I do want yeah. the other one anyway. <laughs> as long as they're not broken like Kim Kalstrom, it's all good in my book. Sure. Let me yeah. let me ask you this, Tom. Then, right, mm. looking at the midfield that you saw last night, and we were talking about this oh, in the game. Do I have to? How bad it was. Yeah, look, look at that midfield now. With Emil Smith wrote back, assuming he doesn't suffer any setbacks now. Reese mm. Nelson, not a million miles away. We mm. were told at the time he was out for a couple of weeks. Gabriel Jesus isn't really a million miles away anymore mm. either. Would you say that Mikhailo Mudrik is a bigger priority than adding another quality midfielder? Like if we if we lost the forward, I feel much more comfortable coping with that really? than coping yeah. with losing Thomas Partey or losing Granite Xhaka at this stage. So would you argue would you the, the, pro- the problem I say there's an argument that's not there is definitely an argument there the problem yeah. I have with the argument is that I don't see the options in midfield in this window that's the big stumbling block yeah. for me is that I just don't see that the, you know Mudrick is there now you can get an amazing prospect and immediate impact player for me as well I think he will bring something straight away for us um, but in midfield I think you're going to have to invest a significant amount of money that will stop you from investing in that special player in the forward line in this window. I think you're going to have to overpay for probably someone in their mid-20s. I mean, the immediate name that comes to my mind in in the Granit Xhaka position in particular is Milinkovic-Savic. And then I look elsewhere and I'm thinking in the summer, Declan Rice is around. I know that he is divisive amongst people, but I genuinely look at him and go, that's a statement signing for Arsenal in the summer if we get the Champions League to be the future of that number six role. He's not fashionable. He's English. I'm English. I'm not fashionable. It's the way that it goes. We're not fashionable people. But uh, you can see from what I'm wearing right now. But in terms of it, like that is a statement signing, I feel, for Arsenal there. I don't see this in the race for Jude Bellingham, so I kind of rule that one out. Milinkovic-Savage is the other midfielder. Uh, whether or not that would be possible is is... I'm not sure. Chris, I'll give you the final word and then we're going to wrap up. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you know, obviously divides people as people's opinions as well. Um, some don't think he'll be the right fit. Some absolutely love him. And that's Yuri Tielemans, obviously set to become a free agent in, in the summer. And I think, you know, if you have the opportunity to add a really exciting talent uh, in someone like Mudrik and then add, you know, uh, a more established player, 
uh, in midfield um, with the, the Premier League quality and experience of Yuri Tiedemans for, for free. You know, to me, that's that's really, really good business. So, um, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Abby sort of touched on it a moment ago again with Mudrick. He, he's got a very, very strong weak foot. Um, you know, I say weak foot. It's not really weak foot to him, is it? You know, it's no. sort of similar to Tommy Asu, you know, uh, comfortable with, with both feet. So, no doubt we'll see Mudrick playing uh, off the right-hand side as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just um, it's exciting you know, time to be an Arsenal fan anyway. And then on top of, you know, the links to, to Madrid, um, it just uh, sort of emphasises that feel-good factor around the club at the moment. And there's obviously a lot of clubs been looking at Madrid. Um, he is sort of, I think, was it Roberto De Zerbi, the Brighton uh, head coach, mm. said that he could go on to win the, the Ballon d'Or. You know, and obviously <laughs> um, it's a big, big statement to make. But De Zerbi's a very well-respected coach. He, he, he's got great knowledge of the game. And, you know, that could be another positive sort of uh, sign that Madrid has got what it takes to, to become a real success in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, intriguing, exciting times. Obviously, I think a lot can happen between now and the end of the month. And um, I, I suppose my final point, the way to end it, is that the majority of, of business that Mikel Arteta and Eddie have conducted um, has been spot on and it's moving in the right direction, that, that recruitment strategy. So I think we've got to trust them, haven't we? Mm, that, I think that is the best way. That was how I was going to end it as well. So you've stolen the words for me, and, and and well done because it is it is the bottom dollar for me. Is that they, they that we are where we are because of what we've done in the market, and uh, and that gives me reason to to trust what they do. Um, it's been a really good discussion and chat this evening. I hope that you listeners have enjoyed it. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new, of course. Harry, thank you so much for your time. Tell people where they can find you, my friend. Thank you very much, man. Always a pleasure. Um, you can find me on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. You can find me on 90 Min, uh, BBC Radio London, wherever um, I pop up uh, from time to time. So thank you. No, absolute pleasure. You can find him on Twitter as well, at Harry Simeu. Really easy to find. Uh, Abby, thank you so much for your time. Good to see you again. Congratulations yeah. again, of course. And thank tell you. people where they can find you. Yeah, just uh, find me on Twitter, apps the right way. Um, and um, yeah, but, uh, thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. And um, can't wait for the weekend. I'll say that now, but the <laughs> night before, I won't be able to sleep, obviously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely my least favourite build-up of the entire season is the away North London derby. Um, yeah. No, thank you, Abs. Top stuff. Uh, and lastly, thank you, Chris, uh, for coming on. Oh, I say always a pleasure, even though it's the first time you've been able to jump on CGT, <laughs> but it genuinely is always a pleasure. And it's great to see you and speak to you again. Tell people where they can find you, mate. Uh, thanks very much for having me on, Tom. Hopefully the, the first of many on here. Um, people can, of course, find me on Twitter at cdavison underscore AFC. And, uh, of course, I'm continuing to, to write articles, produce content for football.london as well. Uh, Abby, I, I was able to put the, the thought of the North London derby to the back of my mind. So thanks for that. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, pleasure to see you all. And, um, yeah, thanks once again for having me, TC. No, my pleasure is all mine. Uh, thank you to everybody joining us in the chat box. Again, apologies that we weren't able to take questions today. It's just been 
a really packed heavy show of talking about transfers and gains. Once the transfer window is over and we're just focusing on the football, it's going to become much, much easier to take your questions. Of course, I do take them every single morning at 8am as well for plenty of time uh, as well. So if you've got anything burning in your mind, either leave it in the comment section and I'll try and get to it as best I can or just wait to the 8am show and I will tackle it then. Uh, you can follow myself at Laguna Talk TV or at Tom Canton Media and of course, as Chris said, the written work over at football.london. Plenty of stuff going out today. Andre Felix on Madrid on Miguel Aziz as well. He's gone on loan to Wigan. We'll be talking more about that tomorrow morning as well. Lots to do and discuss. We will see you very, very soon. I hope you have a fantastic evening and I'll see you again tomorrow. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.